Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Uh, all righty, so a uh, couple of things uh, that, that popped uh, over the last 24 hours. And, uh, like, I am, I mean, you know me, I, I'm an optimist. What? I mean, kind of, sometimes. So, look, I don't have any problem with pieces of legislation being run, put up for votes, and failing. I don't have any problem with that. And I'm like the the narrative that is crafted by the media and Democrats, but I repeat myself, is that uh, for some reason the uh, the inability f- of the Republican House Speaker uh, to count up all the necessary votes to get past uh, what is it like a two thirds majority in order to get an expedited bill passed to fund. Uh, Israel uh, uh, defense military spending, right? A, a foreign aid package that because this thing failed by one vote, that therefore uh, this proves that they can't govern. Does it? Does it prove they can't govern or does it prove that there aren't enough Democrats that are willing to support funding for Israel? Because that's what that sounds like to me. So we'll get to that. I want to start off, though, with the uh, Ronna McDaniel story that we were talking with Pat McCrory about last hour. Uh, This is from the New York Post. Uh, The Republican National Committee chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel, has told former President Donald Trump that she will step down from her post later this month, soon after the South Carolina primary. Trump, 77 years old, is expected to back North Carolina Republican Party chairman Michael Watley as McDaniel's replacement after the Palmetto State's February 24th primary. Uh, the former president and GOP primary frontrunner hinted on Monday that McDaniel, 50, should vacate her position after the RNC reported decade-low fundraising numbers entering the presidential election year. Quote, I think she knows that. I think she understands that, Trump said during a Newsmax interview um, when asked whether she should resign after three consecutive election cycles of Republican underperformance. Trump also teased in a truth social post that he'll be making a decision the day after the South Carolina primary as to his recommendation for RNC growth. He called Ronna McDaniel a friend, praised her work in Michigan during his 2016 election victory over crooked Hillary. Oh, sorry, that name got retired. So now it's crooked Joe. Multiple outlets have reported that Trump met with Ronna McDaniel at his Mar-a-Lago estate on the day of the post that he put out on the Truth Social. Um, Trump's preference for Mike Watley to take the helm of the National Party stems from the North Carolina GOP chairman's belief that mass voting fraud was perpetrated during the 2020 election and the former president's view that Wadley was instrumental in delivering North Carolina for him that same year. That according to the New York Times. So the New York Post just picked up this sentence from the New York Times. The New York Times has this sentence. Now, I'm... Look, I admittedly... 
Uh, while I do follow this stuff probably a lot more closely than most uh, North Carolinians, I acknowledge I have not heard every single thing Michael Watley has ever said about the 2020 election and whether or not it was stolen or rigged or whatever. I don't know. I have heard him say some stuff on it. In fact, I've interviewed him over the years on some of these matters. And what I recall his position being was something to the effect of the collusive settlements and the changing of the laws that the Democrats did during COVID in order to try to uh, in order to try to do end runs around in North Carolina specifically to do an end run around the legislature so they could get a loosening of the election laws in order to boost ballot harvesting operations absentee balloting and all these different ways, you know, make the uh, early voting longer and whatever, like all of these different safeguards that were put up in order to try to secure elections. Democrats sued over and then uh, because they were Democratic organizations suing a uh, state board of elections that was made up of Democrats and then the state board of elections being represented by the attorney general's office, also Democrats, they then said, oh, my gosh, we're totally going to lose this lawsuit. We don't have enough time. And so they just settled it. And lo and behold, they settled it in a way that the state board of election Democrat leaders had wanted prior to the lawsuit. They got what they wanted. They they specifically asked for a loosening of the rules. The legislature said no. They then get sued, and then they're like, oh, we have to settle. And lo and behold, they settle in a way that comports with the rule changes that they wanted initially. And so when, when I talk about, you know, election interference and election integrity and, quote, rigging of the election, that sort of stuff, this is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about people going in and changing code in the machines and swapping votes and all that. I'm not talking about people stealing ballot boxes out of precincts, running them into, you know, uh, to their car, stuffing them in the trunk or whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about lawfare, which was out in the open. It was for everyone to see. If you doubt me, you can go back to my podcasts and listen to all of the shows I did on this in 2020. So... That's what I remember Watley talking about, because he talked about it with me several times. So I remember that. Now, I don't know what the New York Times is talking about, because they just throw out the term. Um, yeah, Mr. Watley has baselessly claimed that election security efforts from Republicans in North Carolina stopped Democrats from cheating. He baselessly claimed this. They don't, they don't explain that. They just throw it out there. They just throw this out there as if that's the truth. And it's not. And anybody who knows North Carolina's election history, first off, if you go back to 2020, we all saw it unfolding before our very eyes. But prior to that, I've documented these cases over the years. North Carolina does not have a pristine record when it comes to clean elections. Have you ever heard of Bloody Haywood? I mean, my God, like there's there are there are so many uh, stories there. You have. uh, uh, sheriff's offices and deputies out in Western North Carolina that um, that were getting inmates to vote. And I'm talking recently, like within the last 20 to 30 years. In fact, didn't we just have an election that got overturned because of election integrity, right? With McCray Dowless and the ballot harvesting in Bladen County and Robinson County, right? 
don't tell me that all of a sudden we got all of the rules right and all of a sudden nobody nobody engages in any kind of fraud at all that's it's a joke there is always fraud every single election every one of them to the extent we don't know and it's dependent on individual races just this last year we've seen stories of uh, elections that have had to be reheld because of election fraud they were small races they were in little towns it does happen there's been no national uh, sort of conference or agreement or contract signed where it's like okay everybody I know like America has a long history of uh, various examples of vote fraud occurring in st- stolen elections and the like but from now on this day forward no more of that right please Right. When you have that much power on the line, people are going to do whatever they can do in order to secure that power. So don't tell me that it doesn't happen because it does. And again, as far as I recall, Watley's uh, uh, his criticisms of the election integrity stuff was over the lawfare aspects and that North Carolina sued and intervened and changed laws in order to block Democrats from trying to do those things. Um, Watley also serves as general counsel at the RNC. He has backed efforts to develop new voting laws over fraud concerns. Oh, hang on a second. I should do this. Yeah. Yeah. What a monster. How dare he try to implement new laws for election integrity? He hates democracy. (laughs) Uh, I got some breaking news. National Sheriff's Association announces opposition to the dead border bill. (laughs) So just in time. Good job. The National Sheriff's Association opposing the bill that has, uh, yeah, basically already been killed. Let's go to the phones. Pete, welcome to the program. Hello, Pete. How are you? Hey, hey, Pete. Great show as always. Thank you, sir. Uh, Great name. Yes. Uh, thank you. Um, Pete, I worked as a poll observer in the 22 election, and I'm um, Mecklenburg County, and worked some with the state guys, but primarily with Mecklenburg County GOP. Okay. Yeah, they, they're greatly concerned about these elections, and, well, they should be. That's the reason I volunteer, because I've stayed up during 2020 uh, to watch those votes come in when they shut everything down, and then, lo and behold, in the morning, you find out my candidate lost. I'll never feel good about that. Mm-hmm. Now, do I know they cheated? For sure. I don't know. But I, I think as long as we're shutting down elections in the middle of the night, shut, shutting down the vote count, people aren't going to feel good about that. Right. We're just not. So anyway, that's why I volunteered, because I wanted to do my part to help clean it up. So I thought, well, well and good for you, and I applaud you for doing it. And I tell people, I recommend that all the time. If this is a concern that people have, then it requires good, competent people to volunteer so this way they can act as the eyes and ears and observers to make sure this stuff doesn't happen. Yep. Well, that's the good news, I guess. The bad news is um, the primary thing that was, you know, you're not going to see a bunch of people probably walk in a polling station and, like, geez, those guys look like they're not from this country, right? Mm. That's probably not going to happen. But what they wanted me to do is there's a tape at the end of the night that comes out of the machine. Right. And it, for each race, it tells you who got how many votes. Okay. So that was the one thing they really wanted me to do because they didn't want any shenanigans between that polling station and downtown. Right. So I asked the lady, and they were all Democrats that were running the, um, the polling station. And I, you know, nice lady and everything, no complaints with that. But I said, look, you know, they would like me to get a look at that tape. 
Mm-hmm. And she calls downtown and her people, and they deny me. I, I'll never, I'm not going to volunteer again, Pete. I, that's, you know, what is that? What, did, what, what was the explanation for why you couldn't see the totals? There was none. That's what they said downtown. So I called, I called uh, the local uh, GOP office and talked to the lady and said, this is where they're at. She goes, let me call you back. She, they said, don't do anything because... If we make sinks about this, we won't even be able to have poll observers. And, you know, I mean, uh, verify. There should be verification. Everyone should be for that, I would think, right? I mean, you know, if my candidate loses, that that happens. Right. So this is Mecklenburg County, so they're using the PBEs, the cartridges, the the electronic stuff. Are you saying that they, when they say that there wasn't any, was that there was no printout of a total? No, there is. There is. I could not see it. Absolutely. They did not deny there's a printout. Right, but did they, they did run it at the local polling place? At. See, like, my understanding yeah. of the way the process always worked was that the uh, the cartridges that have all the data on it were were transported down to the Board of Elections, and then that's where the vote totals were extracted. So yeah. there may be printouts of them, but it, it was always my understanding that, that that occurs at the headquarters, not at the polling places, because that would be, like, I would have some serious concerns if they're doing vote counts at the polling places in the precincts. I don't think yeah. that's ever been the case. Well, that was their concern, and it was mine, too, because I don't know what happens between point A and B. Right. I just don't know. I got no way to comp, you know, do that. Now, going back to 20 election, you know, it's just common sense. What were the places that couldn't get the vote together? It was the big cities and the contested states. Every day, go one of them. Every one of them. So they all shut down. You know, they got water main breaks. People are tired and need to go home. You know, I, I guess I'm too cynical to buy that at face value. Yeah, the, and this is right. So this is. I'll never feel good about that. No, and, and this is one of my beefs also, is like the, the precincts that we have uh, in North Carolina and in Mecklenburg County, we have some very large precincts that have a lot of people, because when they were originally drawn, they did not have a lot of people, but now they do. Uh, and so these precincts are not getting redrawn and reapportioned, and so we have some precincts that have thousands of people in them, and they get overwhelmed uh, by uh, on election day, and, you, and, and people know that you can sort of game that system uh, that was always the case, uh, you know, years ago, uh, where you could just kind of bring in a whole bunch of people right at 7 o'clock or right at 6.58, right before the polls close. And once they're in line, they're in line. And if they need the votes, then they stay in line. Right? Parties know all of this stuff. I'm not telling people stuff that they don't already know and haven't done themselves. I don't make this stuff up. So um, that's always been one of the concerns. Uh, Pete, I appreciate the call. I do recommend, though, and I do advise uh, and encourage people to uh, to volunteer to help run the elections because if you don't then it gets it, it all gets turned over and so you you, you know you got to ask the questions of uh, of why so when they say that you know, when you say I want to see a, a paper trail of this precincts totals and they say we don't have them the question there is why and if the answer is well we don't run we don't we don't count votes here that's the answer and they shouldn't be counting votes. I would have way more problems with an election system where the individual precincts are counting the votes. Because now you've got to have people at every single precinct watching the vote counts of every single precinct. And there are, what, 200-something plus in Mecklenburg County alone. And you've, you would then have to have f- roughly 500 people, one from each political party, observing the counts. That's why they bring them all to the Board of Elections and they count them all there. 
All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? This from let me go over here to the New York Times article on Ronna McDaniel uh, stepping aside real quick here and then Bill I'll get to your call here in a second. Donald Trump has told associates that he thinks the RNC needs to spend more money on election integrity in the 2024 race. And of course they put the scare quotes around election integrity. <laughs> right. Okay. Mr. Trump's team is also focused on hiring teams of poll watchers, which the North Carolina GOP did during the midterms in 2022. How dare you watch polls? Mr. Trump has complained about the RNC election efforts as insufficient, even as the party has poured resources into creating a full-time election integrity department, uh, which has been involved in 77 lawsuits in 23 states, according to the party. All right, let's head over to the phones and get Bill on. Hello, Bill. Welcome to the show. Hey, Keith. How you doing today? Hey, I'm all right. What's going on? Not too much. Uh, you, y'all were talking about how we count votes in Mecklenburg County. I'm a chief yeah. judge for one of the precincts here. Okay. And so what happens is the uh, tabulators have a uh, separate proprietary cartridge that records the votes, and then it does spit out a physical tape. We we, okay. we produce two of those, and we turn one in election night, and then we actually put one in the U.S. mail as a backup. Really? Where yeah. do you mail it? Uh, uh, mail to the Board of Elections. So mail they, it to the Board of Elections. Okay, and so when... But they get, a, they get a live copy on the night of the election, and then they download the information from the device. Right, okay, so you are printing out the tab, uh, the tabulation receipt, basically. Correct. All right, and so when, and I got a, I got a mail uh, or a, a message here that in South Carolina, the law says that the zero total tape must be posted at the entrance to the election site. At the end of the night, the vote total tape by candidate also must be posted to the entrance. Any person can view those numbers. Is there a similar North Carolina law that you're aware of that you have to post these these tape? Uh, no, we, r- we run a zero tape before we open up in the morning, so we prove the machine has no votes recorded in it, and then we right. run the tape at the end of the night, but there's no requirement to post either one of those. Is there a prohibition on showing it to somebody like Pete who called in and said that they wouldn't let him see the tape at the end of the night? No, somebody could see that because it's public information anyway, right? It's always going to be public information. Okay, so uh, when if you're so you're the precinct uh, judge, and so you don't. Uh, if somebody said, "Hey, can I see the, the the tape at the end of the night?" You would show it to them. Yes. Okay. Is there, are you ever, was there any kind of instruction given to precinct judges to do that? Uh, no, it's just the, the idea that um, pretty much anything we do is an open book. I mean, there are some very, very minor restrictions, but people can come see what happens. 
So then what I mean, would be – yeah, people, go ahead. Go, go ahead. I say people can watch us at the end of the night go through the whole closing procedure if they want to be there at 730 at night. Right. So so the, the, the printing – so is there a separate printer, I guess, that is connected to what the the, uh, the cartridge is? Those, those big tabulators that you put your vote in has a, has a built-in printer. It, it prints the tape just like a cash register would. Oh, so every individual machine prints a tape. No, the machine is purely for marking the ballot. You know, when we vote here, there's the big machi- the tabulator we call it. it. Looks kind of like a washing machine or about that size that you stick your ballot. Right, in. right, right. That's what produces the tape and where the devices that record the vote totals. Gotcha. Which okay, yeah. And now that I'm thinking about it, that's a plastic bin underneath that that captures all those paper ballots too. Right. Okay. And so, all right. So when you so that the the big bin uh, at the end where you put all of the. Uh, uh, where you put your ballot in and it counts it, whatever, that thing produces a tape that is viewable. So maybe the Board of Elections needs to advise all of the precinct chairs that if anybody requests to see that tape, they should be able to see the tape. Or maybe there should be a posting requirement like South Carolina has. Yeah, I don't know about it. Physical, but I mean, they, they, we have training before every election for two hours and have a very thick manual with policies and procedures and whatnot. So everybody gets that word, but... You know, people only remember 10% of what they hear, right? Right. Right, right. So, yeah, and right. So, again, yeah, well, so this is all new to me. Like, I would not have imagined that a printout of the tape would be available. Like, to me, like, that, 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 I mean, if it, it's a download, I get it, but it also makes me concerned, although I can see how it could also be a, a stopgap uh, for what fraud. There's with it at that point. It is what it is. Right. Right. Once it's so you do the printout and that that ensures that if something happens on the way to dropping off the the cartridges, mm-hmm. that at least there's some total that's been taken first. Yeah. So you got you got three things. You got the cartridge itself and you've got the two tapes you printed, one of which you turn in the same night and then the other one, which goes in the mail. Right. Hmm. OK. And, and they, all, they all would, of course, agree. Right. Well, hopefully. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. All right. And you've got the physical ballots that were that were deposited into the right. into the tabulator itself. So you really have four four sources you could compare to make sure they all agreed if you really right. needed to. Yeah. No, and and this is one of the other issues is that you know uh, Pete who had called in and expressed his concern. He said that everybody around him that they were these were all Democrats that were running this polling station and that this was a. He said they were all fine and that's okay, but like. Again, if that's the concern, then more conservatives or Republicans need to volunteer to also be at these polling stations, because otherwise, then you're just abandoning the field, right? You're just allowing the other team to just manage the entire system while you sit at home and complain that the whole thing is rigged against you. But we also hear we have a chief judge who's impartial, even though I'm registered to a party, and then you have a Democrat and a Republican judge at each precinct. Right. Who are supposed to, uh, if there's any kind of questions, you know, put their heads together and make a joint decision on, on what happens. And then we can always call the Board of Elections if there's any other question that, that we can't handle. Yeah, which I would, I would say that is what should have happened in, in Pete's scenario where he asked for the tape and was refused. Then a call should have been made to the Board of Elections and, you know, hopefully... Correct. And again, we, we've got a reference manual, if, if, you know, we can look at anytime we want to during the day that would address most okay. most of the common uh, questions that come up. Yeah. Bill, I do appreciate the info. Thank you very much. Yep. Enjoy your show. Keep All at right. it. Yes, sir. Take care. I appreciate that. Um, 
That's what's so great. Like, if I don't know the answers to these things, like, like and this is arcane, minutiae, detail type of stuff. Um, but that's really good info. Did not know that. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. It's one of the great things about doing these shows is that if you don't know the answer to something, somebody's going to somebody's gonna give you the answer. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, I, like, I, I would have concerns. Let me throw it out there if anybody's got info. And sure enough, we get our, we get our questions answered. See that? This is what we do. We solve all of the problems. This from Politico. Former President Donald Trump offered an olive branch to Anheuser-Busch on Tuesday, issuing a post on his social media platform calling on conservatives to drop their opposition to the besieged beer company. Bud Light is good again, everybody. Bud Light is okay to drink. Donald Trump has told us so. You can drink Bud Light without having to endure any kind of ridicule, any kind of jokes about Dylan Mulvaney or transgenderism or men in bikinis bathing in bubble bathtubs. Bubble baths. There you go. Yeah, he put it out on the Truth Social. Here's what Donald Trump said. Quote, The Bud Light ad was a mistake of epic proportions, and for that, a very big price was paid. But Anheuser-Busch is not a woke company. But I can give you plenty that are, and building a list, and might just release it for the world to see. Why not? The radical left does it viciously to well-run conservative companies. And people, very nasty, but it's the way they play the game. On the other hand, Anheuser-Busch spends $700 million a year with our great farmers, employs 65,000 Americans, of which 1,500 are veterans, and is a founding corporate partner of Folds of Honor, which provides scholarships for families of fallen servicemen and women. They have raised over $30 million and given 44,000 scholarships. Anheuser-Busch is a great American brand that perhaps deserves a second chance? Question mark. What do you think? Perhaps, instead, we should be going after those companies that are looking to destroy America. So if you've been boycotting Bud Light all this time, you can cease. Trump says it's okay. By the way, he's also got a fundraiser uh, at, uh, at uh, a Republican lobbyist for the company. He's hosting a fundraiser for him, so he'd very much like you to drink the Bud Light. Jeff Miller is that guy's name. He's a Republican lobbyist. By the way, he's also a close confidant of former Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. Jeff Mil uh, Miller is. Yeah. Uh, hello, Matt. Welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. Hey, Pete. How are you? Hey, I'm good. What's um, up? Good. I just want to talk about Bud Light. Okay. When we talk about light beers in general, uh, you know, all during the, the 70s and 80s, the beer company spent hundreds of millions of dollars trying to get these burly football players up on television telling yeah. us that it wasn't sissy to drink Bud, uh, light beer. Tastes great, less filling. Yeah, tastes great, less filling. Hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and they, they eventually created this idea. They, they were able to elevate that into something everybody could drink and not feel like they were, you know, unmasculine about it. Mm-hmm. And and all that decade, all those decades, and all that money, all got flushed right down the toilet when they brought in a thirty-something, a young thirty-something marketer who didn't understand that. Mm -hmm. And she, she wasn't that. You know, she basically changed the perception of the beer. 
Right. Okay. And and now and went about here. that purposefully. She did that on purpose. And that like and I've said it wasn't even the Dylan Mulvaney on the can that really did the whole thing in. It was right. the the podcast interview that that surfaced afterwards where she said they wanted to shed this image that they're a frat bro beer. Well, I understand that, but but now it's it's a trans beer. You know, if you drink it then that's that's the perception. So they're going to have to spend hundreds of millions of dollars. They're going to have to spend more decades to try and rebuild that image that they destroyed. It's not that, hey, oh, well, I'm mad at Anheuser-Busch. I might be, but that's only a few of these things. It's they've destroyed the image of their product. Right, and, and the thing now is when if I'm, if, you, if I'm out at a bar, and unless Peyton Manning walks in and says, buy around for the whole bar and starts throwing beers at everybody and it's all Bud Light, like the commercial, right? Unless that happens, you're going to get crap. You're going to get guff from your buddies if you order a Bud Light and start drinking the Bud Light. And if you don't know why they're giving you crap about it, you're going to find out real quick and then you might just stop drinking it. Exactly. They've destroyed the image of the brand. Right. And it's not just, it's not just that people are boycotting. It's they don't see that beer as something they want to consume anymore as being part of their lifestyle. So, yeah. Yeah, no, and especially, and I appreciate the call, Matt, especially the fact that when you drink one of these products, it's got their name plastered all on the side of the can. All right, you buy their beer, their name's all over it. You are a walking billboard for their brand. And if their brand has now become associated with something that you don't want to be associated with, either because you don't agree with the uh, the wokeism or transgenderism, or you just don't want to get mocked. You don't want to have to have the fight. You don't even want to have to have that argument with people. There are plenty of other beers that are out there for you. There are so many options in the marketplace, yeah, that you don't have to put up with all of that stuff. You could just buy a different beer, you know? And honestly, a lot of the beers in that category, they all taste the same. I know, I know. They're like, oh, they don't. No, they, they kind of do. They, I mean, they, they're light beers, you know? They're all in the same sort of portfolio, the, the same flavor profile. But Trump says you can drink them now, so boycott over, everybody.